I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Okay. Why did you do it spooky like that? Because we're talking about something spooky. Because it's after the 4th of July, which basically means it's almost August, which basically means it's Halloween. Well, I know it's Halloween by one defining moment in time. Would you like to know what that is? What is that? Is Starbucks serving pumpkin spice lattes? Oh. <laughs> I always go by when Home Depot gets the giant skeletons, which they uh, some have. I'm I'm just telling you, Mark, as you um, ascend in this direction, I think we should buy about 10 of them and put them throughout the forests. (laughs) You you guys got to talk Ben into giving me one, too. I've been trying to get him to buy me a Home Depot skeleton for like two years now. They're hard to get. They usually only get like two or three per store and they disappear quick. Well, you'd uh, think they would be easier to get if you have like the money to buy them for That's your partner who has only asked for one thing ever. It's not true. I'm fully lying. I, I asked like for I was going to say, I, I know their, that is an inaccurate statement, Kelly. I'm like spoiled. Eight foot werewolf, their giant dragon, Home Depot, man, they, they have upped their game. So it's uh, true. That- there is one that I know of in Florida that's right along Nursery Avenue. I'm just throwing this out there because they've tied it to a tree because the skeleton we're talking about, I think, is 20 feet tall, correct? Yeah, they're 12 feet tall. No. Oh, no, you're right. Some of them are 20. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, they're 20 Henry's feet is, tall. Yeah. So there's a 20 yeah. foot tall one on this road. You can drive past it and they decorate it for every holiday. Yeah, because you're not gonna we're you're not gonna put that in the gar the garage or something. But. There was uh one on uh, downtown St. Pete that had a pride flag for the Pride Festival. I was I was pretty pleased with that when we drove by. That was funny. I and, love uh, that. Okay, well, Callie, you're gonna have to throw a link in the list so people can at least see what these delight. Well, there is there's the one lady who has anyway. the the werewolf, and she's actually battling her HOA because they're demanding her to take it down. And uh, so that one, I'm waiting to see how that one turns out. So that one's that one was uh, interesting as well. She's I, fighting the good fight out in these streets. Heck yeah, somebody's got to do it. So I dislike but HOAs. I'm going to do a quick for those who want to watch for Halloween shopping. I'm going to do a shout out to a friend of the podcast. Uh, she does the YouTube channel, Chris the Girl. We'll put her link in the notes. She does called Spooky Shopping every year, and she calls it Code Orange. When, when stuff is spotted in stores. And uh, I know we follow her pretty religiously, so. Well, cause uh, she's amazing. Oh yeah, and she just posted all about uh, At Home and Joanne's Fabrics got all their Halloween stuff in, so. See, it is, oh, pumpkin spice lattes. Now I need to look real quick to see if Starbucks is selling them. <laughs> For unrelated reasons, I need to leave immediately. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, my dog's sick. Uh, he doesn't have enough Halloween decorations. Oh, he, 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 ate a, he ate a grimace shake. Is that what it was? So. Oh, God. No, that would mean he would be murdered brutally by grimace. Known <laughs> McDonald's cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've hit a whole low. Oh, man. All right. All right. Enough okay. Enough I'm, I'm just saying, unfortunately, <laughs> it appears that now we, we are not in pumpkin spice land yet. All right. We are close to pumpkin spice, but not, not there. We'll, so we'll it's call not it officially pumpkin. fall. We'll, we'll call it code pumpkin when it's time. So code pumpkin, you will know because our amazing producer will not be present for any of the podcast recordings. <laughs> Oh, oh, we should share this. You can't see it yet, but we're going to be at the Bigfoot, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. Yes. Which is on Saturday, July 22nd in yes. the um, Bigfoot Conference. In you can, I should throw the link, actually, which I will, so Callie yep. can include it. And it is um, basically 17 days away. And you can get tickets and come out and see us. And we have, it's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, and we have um, a new Erie Travels 
swag. So with us at that particular conference should be our pins, our new travel mugs, um, which have lids and stuff. You can put hot and cold in them. They're the perfect size to take with you on your travels. Uh, T-shirts and um, stickers. And we have a super secret patch surprise, which will be at the um, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. So if you come find us at one of our events, we are presently working on some website issues. So um, you may or may not be able to find us there, but I'm going to put the link to the event. Tally will include it in the show notes. Come out and see us. We would love to see you there. Love it. So we're excited to see y'all there. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about one of my favorite book slash, oh wait, actually, you know what? We have a little bit of breaking news um that goes with our thing today so how about some breaking news so our breaking news is this haunted house chronicles they only lasted a month this is from our friends at paranormality magazine if you go to purchase anything from them use the code travels and you will get a 10 percent discount and you will get great articles like this one which you have to be a um, receive the digital or physical editions of this magazine. But this one is for one couple, the dream of owning a historic family home turned into a nightmare. They would never forget what was supposed to be a new, exciting chapter in their lives. They soon found themselves trapped in a house plagued by eerie occurrences from ghostly footsteps to chilling whispers. Their brief stay of just drum roll, please. 36 days. Okay, a little over a month. Turned into a harrowing ordeal that they could hardly endure. In the mysterious beginnings, this is going to end up with a don don don. At the tender age of 21, newly loved and embarked on a seemingly incredible opportunity to purchase a house deeply rooted in their husband's family history. Ooh, ah. Uh... And I'm going to leave it at that. You have to read that the does, Yeah, that's uh, it's an uh, amazing article. And as always, gang, definitely pick up Paranormality Mag. They are uh, they are incredible. They do a beautiful magazine, the physical edition, and the digital took comes out pretty well. Too, so. Yes. No, I agree. I concur. Which, speaking of creepy houses. Yes. We I, are I, talking about one of my favorite recent shows, books, and I don't know how I feel about the movie, but it is. Well, there were two movies, so one's really good and one we best left unsaid, but we're going to talk about it. So, and that is Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, uh, my favorite quote, Shirley Jackson, she was like, uh, she's going to write a ghost story, right? she's like and she's gonna do it about 19th century psychic researchers and for the society for psychic research and she looked into actual psychic research and saw that the reports were really dry and that you know that it really wasn't the story and so she was like you know that these people were misguided and that they were looking the wrong way and stuff like that so she launched into her own research and supposedly she found this picture in a magazine of a California house that she thought looked pretty haunted just from looking at it. And she asked her mother who still lived in California to help identify this house. And according to Jackson, her mother says it was their own great, great grandfather was an architect and he had designed that house somewhere near San Francisco. And so she also starts reading ghost story after ghost story after ghost story, because she says, no one can get into a novel about a haunted house without hitting the subject of reality head on. Either I have to believe in ghosts, which I do, or I would have to write another kind of novel altogether. Which is interesting considering the debate around the lead character of that book. Yes. Yes. So um, now I will say my favorite version of this, um, The Haunting of Hill House, is the Netflix series that they did. 
okay. I, I can't argue it was well done, but it's so far from the book that- uh, it, it is, but it's not at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's enough, there's enough. Uh, so for those who don't know, I'm gonna do a little bit of the book and then we're gonna go to the 1963 movie. Okay. And then we will do a quick brief uh the briefer the better of the 1999 remake uh and then we will go crazy on the netflix yes so go ahead start with the book when did the book come out all right so the book itself comes out in 1959 by the great shirley jackson it is considered by many including myself including miss erica here to be one of the greatest ghost stories ever published, let alone the 20th century. Um, yes. There's a play, there's a couple feature films, and of course, the Netflix series. And it won, uh, it didn't win the National Book Award that year, which is interesting. It was like runner up. Uh, but so the story goes four characters Dr. John Montague who is an investigator of the supernatural. And he reaches out to some people all over to be his assistants as he is renting the famous Hill House, a mansion somewhere between many hills. It's never really said where. And he's it reaches out to people who've had psychic experiences. And so he reaches out to Eleanor Vance, a very shy woman, and she's caring for a disabled mother and she hates it. She just hates her life. And so she's looking as this is an excuse to get away. Yes. Then she reaches out for this other woman named Theodora, no last name, but she is a, an artist and apparently a psychic. And then the last person who joins is Luke Sanderson, who is the young heir of Hill House. His aunt owns Hill House. And he is hoping to inherit it. So he's just there to kind of watch the house and just be part of things. And they are going to rent it for the whole summer. And they also send it out to other people. But the only people who show up are Eleanor, Theodora. And uh, there's two people who caretake the property, the Dudley family. And they stay near the house. They live near the house. But they won't go there at night they refuse yes and now montague begins explaining the history and of course we have this amazing hill house has stood for 90 years and will probably stand for 90 more uh you know darkness haunts the halls of hill house and i could almost quote the novel word for word because i love it uh and i i it's it's incredible. You will you will fall into this world, and they start to experience strange events, noises, ghosts, you know, writing on the walls, other strange events, and and what's the thing is Eleanor is seeing most of it. The others are kind of knocking it off as oh it's her imagination or it's our oh, imagination. House. Yeah. You know, and but Theodora, who is a psychic, is also saying, you know, she's not right. So I'm picking up on this that, you know, that she's not right. And now later on in the novel, Mrs. Montague. I do want to say one part of the novel, too, is the way she wrote it. Um, Nell does not seem very stable from the very beginning of right. the novel. So you immediately call into question everything that she's purportedly experiencing because she seems from the very beginning with her background in the situation with her mother and stuff like that to not um, be in a good place mentally. Yeah. And I'm not saying mentally ill. That's not the case at all. She just doesn't seem to be... um, in like her emotions are an overdrive on many many things and who she is right and the 
the uh, the the stuff is very vague. Yeah, it. it's very. Did we see this? Did this happen? And a little bit later, Theodora actually sees something that shakes her to her core, and she even tells Eleanor to run. You know, at that point, and and at some point, Mrs. Montague shows up. Uh, and she's also got her little assistant. Uh, I can't remember his name. I think it was Arthur. And uh, they show up to help investigate. And they decide to do seances and spirit writing. And what's funny is they don't see anything. They're the believers. Yeah. And they're not getting any of it. Right. But what's happened is, is uh, some of the spirit writing they tried to do seemed to actually be talking to Eleanor which is very cool. And we start learning about Eleanor had some childhood incidents with like a poltergeist and stuff like that. It's very, very cool. And the book is such a slow burn, but it keeps you, it is a masterclass in suspense, but Shirley Jackson is the master of suspense, right? It is, it's incredible. It's absolutely. And I highly recommend listening to the audiobook because yeah. the audiobook and the person who did the audiobook did such a tremendous job because There's... as much as it's not like Freddy Krueger kind of action, you know, sort of thing, it is very like you find yourself taking a pause sometimes to go back and go, wait, what did she say she heard or saw? at the time because then she moves forward to ex try to explain it to the people she's encountering so it's very interesting how um she also communicates the perceptions versus what she says she saw in the book yeah and it's it is a page turner and it's definitely a must read come halloween season for me um i i think i might actually start reading it again during the move just <laughs> because uh, i do feel like I, I need a refresher uh because what happened is is you know so it becomes a hit to shirley jackson of course it's going to become a hit um so by 1963 just a few years later so we're gonna say that we've not given away the ending to the book no. and the ending is not given away in the movies that we're going to talk about so no, we're not going to spoil this for anybody because honestly it is an old book it is an old movie uh and even the tv series is now a couple years old but we're not going to spoil any of them because this is easy enough to talk about without spoilers it's just ghosts mm -hmm. right i i am going to say though i do have a hot take about it i have a theory oh um, yeah it's a fun theory um maybe we could get into it after the break okay all right, we'll get there. Yeah. I want to I want to talk about the first movie first before the break. Yeah, we're That's gonna fair. do the first movie right. first, and then you can give us your hot take. Hot. All right. So 1963. Yes. All right. And this is made not in America, but in England. And, and it is actually called the haunting. The haunting. They did not do the haunting of Hill House. The yes. haunting. And it is produced by the great. Robert Wise, who would later go on to do one of my all-time favorite movies besides this one, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, but uh, he also did The Sound of Music. For That's Star Trek Three. No, two. Is it two three or three? Three is Search for Spock. Okay. No, oh, Erica no. loses 12 nerd points right there. I didn't. Well, I have many. From House Erica. Oh, so, um, it is Star Trek too. Oh my gosh, yeah. my brain was not working. It's yeah. okay. One time, Mark Muncy himself at a convention oh, told God. somebody that they had a very nice Doctor Strange costume and they were fucking Rachel Ghoul. And I yep. will never let him live that down. So no, it's I okay. 10, I lost 10 points to House Nerd Muncy there. So how did I lose 20 points and you lost 10? That's bullshit. The start that's a the most famous Star Trek movie of all. That is Star a recent movie that you just watched. Yeah, okay, but you should fucking know. The, the Rachel Ghoul and Doctor Strange was even before the Doctor Strange movie came out. Thank you. Okay, but you should have known it was Rache. Come on. Right. They wear okay. a lot of the same cloaks. All right, but anyway, back to this. So it stars Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, and Russ Tamblin. And Julie Harris is playing Eleanor. Um, Richard Johnson is Dr. Markway. 
Claire Bloom plays Theodora, and there's even some hints that Theodora might be a lesbian character, which was hinted at in the books. It is definitely, it was hinted at in the film. They actually filmed some scenes that cemented it, but they were cut before it was released because this was 1963. We didn't talk about lesbians back then. So uh, that's actually part of what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they do the paranormal investigation of Hill House, and this is almost very, very much a direct adaptation. They, uh, but they also realize that this is much more about the mental health of Eleanor, and so they focus on her, and it's incredible. I don't want to spoil anything about this movie, but some of the effects in this movie rank it up there as one of my all-time favorite movies of all time it is one of the spookiest movies you'll ever watch and i will say this though so fair warning to the viewers this movie did not get very good ratings though and i'm not saying that means anything necessarily because the princess bride got horrible ratings when it was released because yeah. they had no idea how to market it but um just and you can find this on um youtube you can also find it on prime you can purchase it for a whopping three dollars on prime so if you did one of those ship yourselves something and saved up some digital points that you is, could potentially yes. just purchase this movie so 1963 so i'm going to ask you at the end what your favorites are since i already gave away my favorites but um, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to go into that movie that should probably not be discussed and other things. Okay, we'll be right back. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. Okay, Callie, do you want to start us off here? Absolutely, I can do that. Um, so I actually wrote a paper in college in my gender and science fiction class on how you could do a queer reading of The Haunting of Hill House. And it was very much centered around like Teresa, or not Teresa, Theodora being like the foil to Eleanor and yep. the implication of like her freeness as a person and like this like idea that like she is confident and in touch with her spirituality whereas Eleanor is like very repressed and in this situation where she is very much having to like hide the experiences that she has and you know isn't very like feeling trustworthy but like there are so many scenes where like they are in the same room together and even like in the movie like it is highly like I don't know, as a queer person, like, watching it, I was like, there's a very palpable will-they-won't-they they energy to it. And oh, yeah. I think her being the foil to Eleanor is, like, part of that queer reading. It's part of that, like, and, and it, it does add to, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it either, but it does add to the ending as well, and it does, like, bring up some interesting questions there. Um, One of but, my favorite things about this movie, it is black and white, for those who do watch it, mm -hmm. and 
back when um, Ted Turner they've actually somebody colored it. So if you well, that was, well, when Ted Turner was going to do the colorization on it, Robert Wise was one of the first ones to come out saying this can never be colorized. Well, unfortunately, yeah. somebody did color it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and uh, it wasn't released on DVD till the early two thousands. And I remember buying that, and then uh, and it wasn't released on Blu-ray till 2013, and it did have a commentary track with uh, with uh, Wise and uh, Bloom and a few others, which was very cool. So, very cool. Okay, we're gonna do a brief little stop on our journey here, our sojourn, um, to a place that makes me sad because the cast of this movie is amazing. Yes. And this was, movie. Now, the road to this movie is kind of interesting because 1990, it was supposed to be Stephen King, was Steven Spielberg, and they were going to make the a remake of The Haunting. And they couldn't get it off the ground, and they actually turned it a little bit. Spielberg finally uh, you know, gave it back to Stephen King completely, and that became Rose Red, which is nothing to do with, it has very little to do with The Haunting anymore. But because of that, Wes Craven decides to do the nineteen ninety nine. Wes Craven is not the one who directed this particular movie. That's though. the problem. He drops out, and so this is how we get the other one. Yeah. So John de Bont, John de Bont, yes, uh, yes, de Bont, who is a director. He did movies like that we do love, like I don't know, Speed, yep. Twister, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Yeah, you know there are several movies this man has made that are amazing, and then there was this one. So let's go through the cast, and then we'll go through the inevitable. This is also called The Haunting. Its release was in 1999. It stars the same cast of characters, but we have Liam Neeson, right? Yep. As the Doctor, Doctor John Markway. Markway, uh, yeah. yeah, which is also have, what they changed the original movie for. Montague became Markway for some yes. reason. Yes, so now it's Markway. Catherine Zeta-Jones is Theodora. Owen Wilson is Luke Sanderson. And Lily Taylor is Eleanor, which everybody calls her Nell. It has Virginia Madsen in it. Like, it has some really nice cast of characters in and this. And the mansion is amazing. Yes. It's actually Harlexton Manor, which is actually a boarding school in the UK. And it's pretty epic. It is absolutely phenomenal. And then there's the script. So, um, Mark, what are your problems with this movie before I go into my problems with this movie? Everything. Yes. Okay. Those are the same problems I have with this movie. The cast is amazing. The script is garbage. Everything it, is garbage. Jan DeBont should be directing action movies. They decided this was actually part of the reason Spielberg and uh, King were having issues. King wanted to make it more horror and less action and gore. And Spielberg wanted more action and gore because that's what he was used to with Temple of Doom and, and Poltergeist and all that. So that's why they dropped the project back then. This went to Jan DeBont, who had done Speed and all these other movies. So he was like, action and gore, which is not the haunting at all. So No, it's not. not the haunting just, just to give an, uh, an idea, um, this has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it doesn't even hit above 20%. And with this cast, you would think by default, they would have been given that. But the inherent problem is that um, it is made to be like a slasher film and it's not a slasher film. They take the presence of the house and mutate it into something different than it was. Yeah, and I think so, this one, yeah, it was, it's Dr. Marrow instead of Montague, I think, in this one. No, I just looked up the name. I'm okay, on the Googles. Dr. Marrow, I'm sorry. It's not Dr. Merrill. It's Dr. Oh my goodness. Now you've made me. Oh, it up. Okay. Sorry. It is Markway. 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 Dr. Markway. 
listen, do not doubt me in the Googling on IMDb. All right, all right, all right. Um, but I, you know, obviously, travelers, you're welcome. This is one of those. Couch... I watched it once and will never again. I wasted. Yeah, my... so you can experience it, but it is not. If you read the book, it is not the book by any stretch of the imagination, oh. and it will just make you mad and disappointed. Plus, you will see what we mean. Amazing, just brilliant cast um, of terrible using and this is where you see where the difference between a cast and a script and a director and the director of speed is one of my favorite fun uh movies to watch and things like that Ugh, this person should not have made this movie anyway that's all we're going to give to this movie and we're going to go on to my favorite all right which is named the haunting of hill house which, by the way, did get a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, so, anyway. Yeah. Do you want me to start this off? Yes, please do. Please do. Okay. So, first of all, another just thoroughly amazing cast. Yes. But similarly, um, basically, it's some siblings. Um, and basic they grew up in what would go on to become one of the most famous haunted houses in the country um now they have to go back to this house that they grew up in and um some of the ghosts still lurk in their minds in the shadows so what i will say about this is one I agree with Mark 10,000%. It is not the same story as the book, right? Not an adaptation at all. No, but, but here's the buts that I'm going to play, right? There's enough First, Easter eggs. Oh my God. The Easter eggs are unbelievable in this. Unbelievable in this. You have to watch this multiple times because things you will see that you don't, um, you're like, did I see that? Did I not? And how yeah. they, what, what is the similarities to me? These are the similarities. Eleanor, which is played by Victoria Pedretti, Pedretti, I hope I said her name correctly, yeah. um, is that same kind of um, emotionally hot not like sexy, but emotionally on fire person who is going through a lot. And there are many times throughout this, you don't know if what she's experiencing is what is actually occurring or it's something she's because of her, right? So they did a tremendously good job, I think, with that. You know, the other thing is, I feel the person who wrote the script, and I should do them some justice by giving um, the writers of this, right, um, is they did such a tremendous job of weaving the story similar to the way Shirley Jackson wove her story. Right, right. Oh, oh no, they got the... the uh the beats down perfectly yes yes and well, so control. that's something that you can absolutely like kind of go to and say they did a tremendously good job it is not the same story and i'll be honest with you the more i think about the way that story goes and how much you would have to include to really and i don't know if somebody would be able to watch the haunting of hill house that way i i don't know yeah it's 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 hard because it it's one of those books that is brilliant and the journey it takes you on is just phenomenal right right but it is it is a slow burn yeah and um it's some of the episodes are some of the best television episodes i've ever seen oh my gosh um, yes the um some were just off the chart and um i'm just gonna say the bent neck lady award it won the fangoria award that year bram stoker award 
uh, the episode that I think of the most, the bent neck lady won superior achievement in a screenplay for Bram Stoker award that year. I, um, the bent, the bent neck lady. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That episode is oh my God. one of the most perfect episodes of television for horror ever. Um, yes. My problem with this is they couldn't stick the landing. The last episode throws off the rest of the series in my, my opinion. So. I, can, I was I was I very disappointed that. with the last episode. I can see that absolutely. Yeah, you know, I just and that and to me, ending is everything. And to be fair, some people don't like the endings of the book, or even the 1963 movie. They think they kind of just kind of, you know, I'm not going into spoilers, but some people say, "Oh, Shirley Jackson just got bored and stopped the book," which you know, I always say that about Stephen King books. I think Stephen King gets bored and just ends his books in two pages because uh, he's done everything else he can. Um, now, one of the things about the Hill House stories that get to me is the background of the haunting, right? It's the history of the house. And that's something we always talk about with our, our travels and our hauntings is we love the backstory. And Shirley Jackson came up with this amazing backstory of the house, right? Where Hugh Crane builds the house for his young wife and she dies almost as the house is open and then yeah. he, he and his daughter he forces his daughters to live there and there's tragedy after tragedy generation after generation and that's i love it that's the building of a haunt and that's what we you know as a ghost investigator that's what you look for you know that as a paranormal fan this is exactly what you want. And she does this so well in that book that people thought this was a real place. People no, went totally. around looking for it. Yeah. And, and and they do a similar thing in the last series. They did a similar yeah. thing. But, you know, you, you bring up a really good point, which is when, you know, it's interesting as I talked to a film producer at one point in time, about scripts and one of the things he told me which i thought was brilliant was he said a problem with a lot of the scripts in hollywood is the people that are writing them are script writers and not like prose writers so they don't do a lot of world building necessarily now that doesn't mean all of the world building comes through in the script right no yeah but they don't do enough world building to which the world and the things about it have character to it and that house, that setting she built had was a character. That house was a character in that book. She actually sketched out floor plans. And so she, when she was writing, she could look at it. And uh, I, I love that those are part of the, the Jackson collection. So where can you see the Jackson collection? Um, it's on tour right now. I will have to ask our wonderful producer to do some Googling for me while we're, we're talking and see if they can find out where the Shirley Jackson papers collection is currently. Because it was at the college where they do the Jackson Awards, which is also escaping my head right now. <laughs> I yeah. love that the award is a rock because that's just what she, that is definitely, you know, the, the, the Shirley's, they, they're just a big rock. And, uh, and which that's they what they do. Be. And you know, it's interesting. Um, do we know where the, the set was for, because I didn't look at this far, the set was for the Haunting of Hill House filming? That was all uh, on site. That was all studio. There was no Hill House for that. Wow. Uh, they, that was all well-built sets and everything. Uh, same with the original movie. was original. It was all soundstage. And that's one of the things in the that Shirley Jackson put in the book is that uh, the corners are off. Nothing adds, there are no right angles anywhere in the house. And this is the kind of thing that gets picked up. Uh, the, the great book House of Leaves uses this to its advantage. Another one of those great masterpieces of uh, scary books and all that. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, her papers are in the Library of Congress. So oh, that's, cool. thank you so much for that. Uh, MIT has uh, some of those as well, has some of her records as well. So well, that's pretty badass. So I'm glad you, you were able to find it because I could not. 
yeah, yeah. I just I pulled up my notes. I was able ah, to dig. So smart. Uh, uh, her book. Her, uh, and if you haven't read Shirley Jackson, oh my gosh. Please read the haunting. Please read the lottery. Um, that was probably her famous short story that that made her the name. And uh, she's she's done a lot of amazing stuff. Uh, but and again, they do a reward for her every year called the Shirley's. Um, and um, man, they're they're both just master classes in controlling your narrative, controlling the spookiness, and. It's, I mean, that's, that's just all there is to it. That's all you really need to know. So. <laughs> no, it's true, but it definitely is one of those things that we call psychological horror. And yep. it's very different than showing something scary. Although I will say the TV show does a tremendous job, Easter eggs again, of what are you seeing? Like what, you know, what's there besides the entire setting is just terrifying, right? I don't right. really discuss the basement. That's ah going down down the ladder <laughs> i'm still creeped out i just creeped myself out nope there's so much i would pull up to this house and it would be a hard nope both of these houses that that will be like i said the one best thing about 99 uh is the uh harlexton manor which is you know the house itself was beautiful and what was funny is we were at small town monsters fest up in canton ohio of all the places and Carrie and I, we were after the festival, we were looking for a place to eat. And we go to this place called Mulligan's, which is a, a, you know, a chain pub restaurant. And they always decorate with stuff from UK and things like that all over their walls, you know, just because it's, it's supposed to be an Irish pub. So they, they throw stuff on the walls and they want it to look like you're walking into an old British pub. And this is in a strip mall, right? So it's not like you're really walking into a Victorian pub or anything. Unlike some places down here in Florida where they moved them brick by brick. But uh, this one, the lights were just really cool in this place. And I kept getting this weird feeling about them. And as we're leaving, I see a sign. The lighting of this place was from Harlexton Manor. The guy had bought it from a Hollywood store. They were lights that were put in to Harlexton Manor for the haunting in 1999 and now they're in this pub in canton ohio of course they are <laughs> it's like i i asked him do you have any ghosts because harlickson manor apparently has some real ghosts and uh you know uh of course it does but uh but that pub they said no so they said no they, they denied no. you they denied they denied ghosts um Although that place was also filmed a couple other places. Uh, one of the other scenes was Belvoir Castle. And uh, that was one where uh, Spielberg had stayed. And that was where Spielberg had a ghostly encounter of his own, supposedly. So uh, oh. the fact that they filmed that there. Yeah. I like it. Interesting. Very so. interesting. I know for um, like my English major perspective, I just really enjoyed like this concept of the reliability of the narrator. I feel like that was really what like set me down the path of loving psychological horror because you do not know what to believe. And that is the scariest thing that is way scarier than showing me any monster, showing me any level of gore. It is 100 percent. Can I trust what I am seeing with my own eyes? Can I trust what this person is telling me and hearing it with my own ears? Like, what is this experience really? Like, is she just crazy? Are these things really happening? Like, I don't know. I, I really love the, like, the questioning that you do within the story because you're not even sure as a member of the audience. And, and that is way more interesting to me than any, any slasher film. I, I agree. And I, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. So I'll talk about it again. I think sometimes the psychological parts, like there's parts that are, you know, really disgusting. And we, at some point, I'm sure we'll cover the, the truth behind silence of the lambs, right. And everything like that. But, you know, when that whole thing, you, you, you don't see um, Hannibal Lecter's situation until way later on. Well, in that movie 
And if you watch the Hannibal TV show, which, oh my God, I'm madly in love with that TV <laughs> show. And I wish it hadn't ended. But again, the most terrifying character is one that's not terrifying looking at all. And now what's funny about all of this is the name. The, you know, the Haunting of Hill House was, you know, the original novel. Now, 1959, William Castle, probably one of the great classic producers of low-budget horror, yeah. decides to bank in on the success of the book and make his knockoff, and he calls it The House on Haunted Hill. Oh. And gets Vincent Price, uh, classic. Uh, one of my favorite things, you know, if you spend the night in the house, you'll get ten thousand dollars. You know, if you survive. Oh, I remember the riff tracks of that. We went yes, to see that in the theater. The now, oh, what was man. cool about that movie was uh, William Castle did the thing called Emergo. It was what this was filmed in Emergo. It was emerging technology. Uh, you know, 1959. What it was was he had a plastic skeleton that in some theaters would fly over the audience at a specific scene when a skeleton comes out of the thing. And you know, it was all pr promotion, but it did. It made the movie a hit. And this other director sees the, the success of this, you know, and goes, hmm, I can make a horror movie. And that, you know, that could really kind of follow this same formula. And that is this guy named Alfred Hitchcock who decides to make Psycho after watching The House on Haunted Hill. But that was also why when they made the movie, The Haunting of Hill House, they decided, oh, it's going to be confused with House on Haunted Hill, which was already a ripoff of, you know, The Haunting of Hill House. So that's why they called it The Haunting. So when they're remaking it in 1999, they're like, okay, we can call this one The Haunting of Hill House. Guess what? A remake of The House on Haunted Hill comes out in 1999. The 1999 version of that was pretty good. It was actually really good. They were both really good. I liked House yeah. on Haunted Hill. They were both really good. Even the Vince, it's Vincent Price being classic, you know. You know, that, that that reminds me of like, there, there's online a timeline of like how, it, it's like how 9-11 started a chain of events that caused 50 shades of gray to come out <laughs> it, it's it's like so 9-11 Gerard Way was inspired and he wrote uh you know the very formative uh album uh Black Parade um My Chemical Romance love it fantastic album that album is what inspired um Stephanie Meyer to write Twilight and then 50 shades of gray is a Twilight fan fiction that got rebranded to become a book Yep, and yeah. it's it's always just stuff like that where you're like, it, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting how you can like back things up to its its origin. I know that's completely unrelated, but I, I oh no no it's that you know one of my favorite bits of history. Oh no, I'm not going to go off on this tangent. We'll have to do that. <laughs> oh no, I was going to say we're nearing the end. Thank you for listener. stopping myself there. The Muncie my, tangent corner. <laughs> my little Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder. My history buff said no no no. You're not <laughs> you're not going to talk about why the space station is related to Rome. Okay. We're Rome. stopping there. This is what <laughs> we're going to recommend. Travelers. Of course, there are some sites we've talked about you can go see, but we yep. heavily suggest you find the your favorite place to read or listen to audiobooks and grab The Haunting of Hill House by yes. Shirley Jackson. And if you would like to watch any of the versions don't watch the 1999 one you'll be sad but we yeah. definitely recommend um watching the 1963 version and the 19 no 2018 yes on netflix the haunting of hell house that yep. mainly because it has um uh one of our favorite stars from the et movie in it so making his i'm just throwing that out there okay hey, it just links yep. to aliens we like linking every episode to aliens somehow just that's kidding. true that's true we do we do and uh and like i said yeah if you can watch the bent neck lady episode at least you'll you'll be oh yeah yeah and uh just remember it's not the book it's not the book uh but uh i would recommend reading it in a haunted location you know find yourself a nice little haunted house to read your haunted house book and, what uh, kind of a recommendation so is that 
That's, yeah, a, that's, that's an exception a, recommendation. It's that's an exceptional recommendation. Let me rephrase that. So. Yeah. Did yeah. you say in inception? <laughs> I did. I did. I was. I wasn't quite sure where I was going there. So I. I don't know where you're going, but I think we ought to go because I of, think we should, gang. Uh, yeah. Uh, now I will say one little side story from all this that uh, I have to do. When my early storytelling days were occurring, we were doing the Danellen Renaissance Festival which lasted, I think, about three years. And it was the first one. And we were all staying the night in the house of the people throwing the event. And um, we're in their house and I'm entertaining everybody by telling ghost stories. And I decide to retell The Haunting of Hill House as a ghost story to the crowd that are all sleeping across this uh, living room floor and all the girls were in one room and I was just telling this to the guys out in the other room. But what we didn't know was the girls were listening in from the room next to us. And as I get to the part where the pounding on the walls occurs, one of the girls in the other room got so scared, she actually did pound on the wall to get us to stop. And I couldn't have timed it better if my life depended on it. And one of my friends who was a Renaissance Festival guy was a big Viking named Thorgren. He somehow leapt over every single person in the living room, did a roll and came back up and grabbed his Thor's hammer off the wall, ready to fight whatever had pounded on the wall above him. And uh, it was the uh, ladies who ran the, the event telling us all to shut up and go to bed. We were scaring everybody to get us to go to sleep. <laughs> Oh, so a sight I, to I, behold, a sight yes, to behold. Yeah. So uh, a good friend of ours who was at that event, uh, David Baker, we wish you speedy recovery, my friend. I, I heard you're in the hospital. So uh, that's one of the reasons we did this episode was I, I knew you you fondly remember that night. So very cool. Well, Mark. Well, out of here. Yep. Again, gang, like, share, subscribe. We've got a lot more coming up. We will. What is your favorite horror uh, movie? What is your favorite horror book that you'd like us to discuss? And uh, we we've got some coming up that I think you guys are going to enjoy. And uh, like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. All that fun stuff. Vote for us at paranormalitymag.com. We'd like to climb that top ten list of paranormal podcasts. And uh, with that, we will say. Hill House has stood for 90 years and might stand for 90 more, but quiet stands steadily against the walls of Hill House, and whatever walks there walks alone. We'll see you on the other side.